0: Hey, everybody, this is Bevan. Welcome to Bevan, a Femme Over 40 and Her Friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times It's time to start the show. Today is episode 100. So exciting uh, to have hit 100 episodes. I think the thing that I'm most proud of, honestly, is the consistency. I haven't, I skipped one week when I was moving in 2019, but other than that, it's been a consistent weekly. that I do. Um, And I'm grateful that you're here. I'm grateful to all the folks who subscribe, who've left kind notes in the box on the various podcasting apps to encourage folks to uh, join the party, right? I feel like my whole life, I'm just here to make it a party for myself and for others. I think part of it is also my inherent personality. I just need things to be fun. Uh, There's a story that my mom tells in this podcast about me needing things to be fun and her knowing that I needed that uh, for my own mental capacity for learning. So for episode 100, I was like, what do I do that's gonna be special? And um, I did I was inspired actually by Paris Hilton's documentary uh, about her trauma and the beautiful conversation she had with her mom, Kathy Hilton. I talked about them in the last episode. Um, and my mom and I actually had a really uh, beautiful conversation just this past week about my experience of trauma growing up and like, especially bullying in school, I was bullied as a kid a lot. Um, and it's funny because a lot of it, I don't remember. And I think that's, um, my therapist and I were just talking about this this week about how much denial is part of, um, kind of our coping process with grief and trauma and things like that. And, um, and part of the healing of trauma, if you haven't read the book, the body keeps the score highly recommend trigger warning. It's all full of witnessing other people's trauma um but it talks about different ways to heal and part of that is owning your story and sharing what happened and i don't think that necessarily means you need to share with your caregivers everything that happened to you but it was actually really uh beautiful to connect with my mom about um her experiences watching me get bullied right i've shared frequently in my work about um being put on weight watchers when i was eight years old and um You know, I I have nothing but compassion for my caregivers, even the ones that were violent with me, mostly because I know they're all doing the best they can with what they have. But what I'm really into, um, and this really comes through, I think, in my astrology, I'm a third house Mercury, which is very much an autobiographical placement. Uh, So it's been very natural for me to talk about what has gone on in my life, mostly because I have really been set free by other people's stories. Other people risking the vulnerability of sharing what happened with them and how they healed has been a giant light post uh, for me in pursuing my own healing. Um, and it's just interesting to hear, like my mom had shared, she shares it on this, um, podcast, but she shared with me that I was, uh, being bullied and I had shared with her a story about, um, boys throwing rocks at me at school, which is like, bit, and chasing me home, um, throwing rocks at me and things like that. And I don't even remember it. Uh, and, but it was interesting to just think about like how much I weathered and how much I had to heal from. And it doesn't surprise me. I've done so much work. Even just in the last few months of the pandemic, um, dealing with like my fear of rejection, just so weird because it's like it's that it's that awkwardness. I I talk about this at Fakia Dance Party all the time. Fakia Dance Party is my aerobics class for anyone who feels left behind by mainstream fitness. If you've ever been called too fat, too much or uh, felt too awkward to dance, mine is the supportive class for you one of the core rules of class, rule number two, is we cheer for awkward. So awkward is when you're out of your comfort zone, you're doing something new. That's where life begins. And a lot of times when you're doing something new or even doing something you've done before and experience pain from, that's awkward too. And it's uncomfortable because it's something that has caused us pain in the past, right? I'm really into, you know, having therapy and coaching and support to do this kind of stuff. But sometimes you got to go through it again, in order to have a different result. And frequently healing looks like things coming back around, um, and giving you a new opportunity to approach them from your, your more healing space, right? Um, I don't think we're ever healed. I think we're all healing. Uh, It's a verb, it's a practice. So it's self love, you're never like, done with learning how to love yourself. Oh, if only Um, you're just constantly kind of leveling up and what that makes it, what is it for you that self-love? And so I really um, wanted to connect with my mom and just kind of hear more about her experience advocating for me, um, especially as a fat kid in a time where there were less fat kids, right? There were still, there were some, there've always been fat kids. There are more now. Um, and I think there are more now, honestly, because our system just keeps making it harder and harder, uh, for kids to move. Uh, I mean, even think about like kids who live places where it's not even safe to go outside and run around, right? Like, or where they don't have any access to that kind of thing. It's just, it's wild. It's wild. The. Totally impossible situation we put parents into, especially if they have to trade their time for money uh, in order to raise their kids and can't necessarily be around or even like I don't even know where my mom had time to go to my school to talk to these administrators and all these examples she shares in the episode. Um, because she herself was working very hard, um, uh, frequently, you know, I mean, at least full time, if not more than that, and going to school. So um, I just admire her so much for what she went through, um, and how, how much she took responsibility for me. Um, something that really freed me out. This is another, I, I have done so much healing around child trauma, childhood trauma during the pandemic. I'm so grateful for this time, honestly. Um, so I realized I made this realization about a year ago that my dad, um, who, you know, we, my parents divorced when I was 18 months old, my dad kind of just barely showed up if ever. And, um, and he, uh, like he would skip visitations. He didn't pay child support. He still owes my mom child support back child support. I'm 42. He still owes her back child support because he didn't pay. Um, and so. All of that to say, I realized, oh my God, my dad just never took responsibility for me. It's not, it was never about me. It was not personal. It was just him choosing not to take responsibility to be a parent, um, to a child. And that's not, that's not my fault. That's his fault. Um, and just that little teeny realization really freed me a lot from, uh, just, I don't know, thought patterns and things that, um, are like these inherent little kid wounds, um. Inner child healing is really about reparenting yourself and taking the responsibility for yourself. But when I think about the ways my dad did not take responsibility for me, I'm super grateful for my mom for taking responsibility for me. I'm very grateful to all of the adults who were volunteers, who participated in outdoor education, who were my Girl Scout leaders. Um, Honestly, Girl Scouts was like a second parent for me. Um, It taught me a lot of values. It taught me leadership. It taught me um, volunteerism and service as a value. Service is one of my most my highest values, making an impact on the world. Um, And I have Girl Scouts to thank for that. And I have my mom to thank for like bringing me to Girl Scout meetings, like schlepping me around and making sure I had that in my life. Um, And so I'm really grateful for her for sharing her story on the podcast today. Um, And I hope that it helps some of you out there, especially, I know there are a lot of body positive and body conscious parents out there who want to raise kids who are resilient to the body negative society that we have. Um, And I think just listen to this. I mean, you're always going to need to step in and be an advocate for your kid and also just recognizing what your individual kid needs, right? Like it's so sad that there's an administrator who thought that I should, the one uh, who my mom went to about the kid, the boys throwing rocks at me who said I should just laugh it off and I should just learn how to laugh it off because I was fat and that was going to be my lot in life. Um, And that is, you'll see a lot of queer and fat people are very funny because, um, my favorite joke is, are, you, are you funny or did you have a happy childhood? Uh, cause it's not just fat kids who go through it, right? Like it's anybody who's different or weird or traumatized. Um, I watched a really great Ted talk this morning about, um, this woman who was sex trafficked as a child. And she said this very plainly. She's like, it's up to each and every one of us to, um, to heal from our pain and to use our pain, um, to help us move forward. And she said, You just confront it 20 seconds at a time. Um, the physiology that I've learned is 90 seconds. It takes 90 seconds for a big feeling to come through and pass, but you want to be present for your big feelings. You don't want to stuff them. Uh, as kids, when we're traumatized, one of the worst things is that we're left alone to deal with our trauma rather than having an adult sit with us and teach us how to regulate our bodies. And so that's inner child work, right? To be able to sit with what your pain is. But this woman in this TED Talk was um, talking about how. Other people say, well, my pain doesn't compare to yours. And she says, no, your worst pain is the same experience for you as my worst pain is for me. We all need to confront our worst pain so that we don't go around continuing to traumatize others. And I see every single bully that I've experienced in my life. I see every you know unfair situation, every unfair administrator that I've dealt with or my mom dealt with on my behalf. I see them all as their own wounded five-year-olds who are also ac- acting out of their trauma. How bad must those kids home lives be that they were torturing some, you know, six-year-old girl, right? I would skip first grade. So I was younger than everybody else. Um, so I can only imagine, right? Like, and just having a lot of compassion for who you are and what you've gone through and, um, and just recognizing that each and every one of us is heal, is here to heal. Um, and life isn't fair, like shitty things happen. And that's part of it. And we get to choose what we do in this present moment and how we live. Um, and I think living is the best revenge. Beyonce says, always stay gracious. (laughs) Best revenge is your paper. Paper's nice, right? The paper for earthly goods. But really, I think the best revenge is just becoming so free that it doesn't, none of that stuff holds you back anymore. And that you recognize that the people who wounded you and hurt you themselves were hurting far more than you are now. Um, And I mean, at least that's been true for me. And I hope that you find some inspiration and healing and just standing up for your kids and standing up for what's right um, and advocating. I think now in this time in 2021, there's a lot more anti-bullying rhetoric out there and there's a lot less public tolerance for this kind of thing. Um, I like, I kind of low-key wish I could blast that principal who told me to just laugh it off um, on social media, but that didn't exist in the 80s, sadly. But anyway, here we are in the 20. 2020- 20s uh the roaring 20s doing our best to thrive and heal and i really do think this is such an amazing time this age of aquarius time where more and more people are just dropping the masks of performativity and people pleasing and really stepping into compassion and care and healing and growth and all of the good things um if my podcast is valuable to you please consider joining my patreon page patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash f-k-d-p which stands for Kid dance party uh, you get access to all of my Zoom aerobics classes starting at just 2 bucks a month, plus spiritual self-care lessons and updates I don't share anywhere else. I'm going to be sharing some stuff I've learned about marketing and crowdfunding on my Patreon exclusively. And also at 25 bucks a month, you get full access to a whole on-demand library of Fat Kid Dance Party aerobics videos. There's always six classes available, a 10-minute, a 20-minute two 55-minute classes, a chair aerobics class, and a 45-minute canna-size class, which is slower, more repetitive choreography to accompany an optional cannabis experience. All of that is $25 a month, and it really supports the work I do. You get access to free tickets for... any class that I can possibly give you access to, plus all the Zoom aerobics and, you know, my undying love and appreciation. Patreon.com slash FKDP. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I hope you imagine that you, me, and my mom are sitting on our virtual porch in Wicker Furniture, cozy with your favorite childhood blanket, and on with the show.
1: Welcome to the podcast!
0: Yay! Yay! Mom, I'm so glad you were willing to do this. I feel like this is going to be really helpful for people, especially like grownups who are navigating um, being grownups in the life of little fat kids who, um, for whom, I don't know, something I've noticed a lot from the stories you've told me of raising me is how much fat phobia you encountered because of people's experience of me being fat and like what you had to deal with. And so- I'm excited and grateful that you're willing to talk about this stuff so that we can kind of normalize the struggle. I don't know. I don't want to normalize this because it's wrong, but like, I also want to just highlight this kind of aspect of raising a kid. That makes sense.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, But what's really interesting too, is I just want to start with this just because I was a curiosity I had in the last couple of days, mostly because there's this random woman on uh one of the Real Housewives franchises Dorit who is from Connecticut but her accent sounds like she's from somewhere between Australia, England and like I don't know Britain I don't know something like that right she has this weird weird accent that she just kind of created um but you are from Canada and you don't have an accent you don't even say a boot or sorry um you are like so neutral and I'm just I was curious how you kind of removed your accent and assimilated, I guess, is really what you did. So will you tell me a little bit more about that?
1: Sure. Uh, When I came out to California, when we moved from Eastern Canada to California, I was almost 10 years old. So I, um, just the beginnings of middle school um, that, and so you have enough, stuff anyway and there was quite a bit of culture shock so like if any adult entered in the room I was taught to get up and you stand by your your seat and (laughs) so you can think in southern California and I'm get up and I stand by my seat and everybody just looks at me and so there's you know things like that um so there's like you
0: were in the classroom and an adult would walk in and you would stand up by your seat and all the other California kids are just sitting there uh, like impolite non-Canadians
1: right well they just yeah <laughs> it, it wasn't it isn't something that they phase they don't you know I was taught you'd stand up and you you know you're polite and and you greet you know you see the the newcomer you recognize the adult in there um, so it was yeah there was a lot of um, and I also came from parochial school in Canada so that even was more where they had corporal punishment which i never experienced but my older sister did <laughs> which one sherry oh yeah <laughs> valerie <clears throat> you just look at her and she'd cry so no, yeah, no, yeah, that's she's still crying but um uh the uh, yeah the they had corporal punishment and you knew it and those those nuns were merciless but um and they were nuns in the full habit and everything. So it, it was quite a culture shock. Um, and I was teased a bit, uh, teased about saying a boot and, and uh, other things. And uh, so I worked on rounding my vowels and um, assimilating because the last thing you want when you're 10, 11, and 12 is to be different. Hmm. So that, that's, that was, that's my story. Wow.
0: It's really interesting because, like nowadays, I think um, with the internet and kids having access to the internet, if they want to change their accent, it's a little bit easier to just get access to the resources to work on that. But you kind of just figured it out by just paying attention to the people around you and conforming, which I mean, this is something I teach on all the time. But basically, we live, we're humans, so we have an inherent need for belonging, but we live in a society that really holds hostage our belonging for our conformity. Um, And that is just a great example of something that a lot of kids end up doing to just be safe and try to stay safe. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, I just want to reflect how horrifying it is to me that um, women of God, like nuns who are supposed to be sharing the love of God, um, were doing it and probably still do it in some places in such a violent way with children, which is just... I think the opposite of God <laughs> Yeah. and probably pushes more people away from faith than um, who could be brought in by it. And that's a shame.
1: Yeah, I think, well, it was that time period too, where uh, it was quite normal for parents to spank their children. I mean, if you didn't spank your children, then you were one of those permissive parents and your kids were unruly and they were not Mannered, and they were to be shamed, and they were, you know, the, it, everything built upon itself. It was the way of conforming people to think. The generation prior to me to think this is how things should run. Yeah. And so, I mean, all adults. Meanwhile, while they're smoking in their two and three packs of cigarettes and giving each other cartons for gifts and and all that stuff, that was that was in that wonderful aware time period. And, you know, that they adored these um, celebrities that were womanizers and even presidents that were womanizers. Um, So that was that was that time period. Wild. And
0: this is just to give people context. You immigrated in 1962. Right. Um, So this is like all happening in that era. And it's interesting cause like, I try not to look back with a ton of judgment because I know judgment is just a feedback loop that hurts me um, because everyone is always doing the best they can with what they have. Mm-hmm. But when you, it's so interesting cause now like nonviolent parenting is a way of bringing kids up who have an awareness of people around them. And in fact, possibly have more manners than just like complacent kids who have like no personality and are like scared to do anything. Um, but like there's a way of teaching kids how to like be mindful of people around them in the world and less like I think it almost creates like that rugged individualism that we're dealing with now in the pandemic where people are so focused on themselves and what do I want what's my freedom um, because they're taught to constantly be afraid of this like external world because of all the punishment they're taught right rather than learning how to just show up in the world as themselves I don't know if I agree with that but Um, You can disagree. That makes for a better podcast.
1: Yeah, (laughs) because um, I think the 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 people who are making those kind of movement, I think my age is less influenced, influential now than we were 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So the ones that are creating, you know, the anti-vaxxers and I don't trust anybody and all of that. That is a different mindset. I actually think, you know, we we you had a discussion, we've had a discussion about homeschooling, and we could talk a while about homeschooling because I think there's an importance for people to have the socialization, especially diversity socialization. And the problem with homeschooling is that you do not get that diversity, diversity training or socialization in most homeschooling situations.
0: Well, if you don't, I mean, if you don't get it at home, you got to figure out how
1: to get your kids in there too. And there's other ways of doing that. But it's really hard to see outside your fishbowl. And that, and that has been a big issue with isms everywhere. You know, everybody thinks their ism is the normal. And so it's really hard to create. And that's, that's one of the reasons I am a proponent for public school. I don't necessarily care how it's structured, but because you get the opportunity to mix with people outside of your reality. Totally.
0: I think that's a total benefit of school, especially if school is done in a way that like allows for um I don't know, actual diversity and not
1: just, you know, yeah, non under the rock. Non-tracking and mixed abilities. And that's yeah. I mean I did have the opportunity to um go to schools that valued that and teach at schools that valued that. Did they value it 100%? No. Did they still do some other institutional stuff going on? Yes. Did, you know, and so I ended up, you know, I worked with the the tough kids that just all happened magically to fall into my classroom even though it was supposed to be an anti-track school, you know, but that at least in my classroom, I valued everybody and tried to do the best i could. So but um yeah so i there's many different methods i mean there's all these different philosophies in teaching my philosophy is there isn't one way there's like if you mix it up hopefully you can get the best out of a bunch of different things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And i just want to brag on you a little bit. Like you were the one of the most popular teachers at your school the whole time you were teaching in public school and um you did an amazing job of existing within an institution full of people in power who frustrated you but focusing on your kids and focusing on the real value that you were there to add to those kids lives and not um i think you were probably a a lifesaver to probably thousands of kids over the course of your career
1: thank you thank you um i you know i cared about them and they knew it and it wasn't it wasn't and I respected them and they knew it. And those are the two major components that you need to work with kids, you know, and it doesn't matter what age, but especially teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. I and I made mean, special part, part for part teenagers.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, te- being a teenager is really, really hard. And like, I can only imagine now, I just think it's harder and harder. Oh. these days it's like there's some benefits right like you get spotify so you can have access to all the world's music for like yeah. less than a cd per month right so it's like columbia columbia music house whatever that service was before but like yeah. now just all in your phone and in an app um, and so that's nice uh, and going on youtube and learning anything you want is pretty awesome but like everything else that comes with being having the internet and being a teenager, like all the online bullying and comparison and, and even just screen time straight up is just not great. And I think is really, we. it's like a generation that is here to save us that is also, I think, right now in crisis. And so it's, um, anyway, I just, you're out there if you're a teenager, I love you. This is hard. You can do it. Um,
1: okay, so- I had students who, um, I mean, this was Grant and I retired five years ago, and I was in that special program. That special program was for students who experienced trauma, and I had students that literally came in who were catatonic, rocking, couldn't focus on anything, and that was from bullying and Snapchat and all those horrific ones where they... Really did these horrible gang up things on vulnerable kids, and i I got to work with the kids and help bring them back but yeah <laughs> get me started, but yes, I saw it five years ago I saw it nine years ago so yeah it's it's a real issue, and it really needs i don 't know how but it it really needs to be. Um, the culture about it needs to change in order for it to change.
0: Yeah, I think, and I want to say this, like, I think I see the culture starting to change. Um, Partially, um, I see the institutions who host these social media platforms taking more responsibility, obviously, like too little too late for the past many, many years. But like to see now, like they're just starting to make some changes. Like on Instagram, you can block people now. And it used to be I spent an entire day once, like not that long ago, blocking someone who kept popping up from other accounts. Like it was like, and it, it was triggering. It was difficult. It distracted me from the real work I'm here to do. And, um, just because someone decided to spend their time harassing me. Um, and now Instagram has changed it. So if you block someone, you can choose to block any other accounts they create. So that way it just like, I mean, that in and of itself can save me hours. Right. And that's and that's me. Like I'm a grown up with a lot of skills and a therapist. And like these are kids who like don't necessarily have those skills. I think one of the most crucial things we can teach kids is how to manage their attention. Um, because like I think a lot of us get caught up in like I have to know what everyone's saying, and you don't. If it's not said directly to you, it remains unsaid. Um, and if someone doesn't even have the courage to write an email directly to you and they're just talking about you on the internet it's not, it's not your business. That's their small thinking and they're not creating anything of worthiness for the world.
1: Yeah. It's not worth your time.
0: It's not worth your time. Um, of course that's always easier said than done. Um, but hopefully, you know, people understand the value of their attention. That's what all of these corporations are vying for your attention. It's something you have control over and they don't, but they want to have control over it. So they're going to keep tricking you so that you get addicted to their apps and their things. Yeah. Um, Wild. Um. So you were obviously. So did you want to be a teacher before you dealt with all of the bullshit you dealt with, like raising me, going to public school? Yes. Okay. So you kind of like had low key in your mind, like this is what I want to do, and yet you're showing up to schools where I'm being treated unfairly and having to deal with like
1: teachers and administrators
0: and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, that was before I became a teacher. Yeah. And and then it would also there's a funny story about when I became a teacher and and you had a teacher that didn't know I was a teacher <laughs> and tried to bully me. Um but uh yeah it was uh you were oh second third grade was when we freshly moved to Castor Valley. And Castor Valley is a very suburban suburb and I think your listeners Have heard about Castor Valley for a while. Anyway.
0: I like to call Castor Valley the just like every other suburb because it's like in the Bay Area where it could be like really fun and liberal. Um, but it's not. (laughs) It's just like every other suburb. It's like kind of conservative
1: and obnoxious. Okay, keep going. Well, I wouldn't make that kind of a generalization. The eastern side of it is your track homes and your uh, conservative. You know, everybody has to have this image. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Western side of it is more Ber- Berkeley-esque. Hence, we lived on the Western side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what happened? Oh, I you had a teacher that gave me um, Weight Watcher material and stuff like that, told me about how I must not be feeding you well. Uh, the pro- Appropriately thought that, you know, we... Ate out of fast foods every night, which you know we didn't, and couldn't um, afford it. No, we couldn't afford it. But even then, it it just, um, yeah, it it was just the assumption that we uh, couldn't handle it. And then there was a there was a group of boys that started teasing you, and um, you. uh, So I went to the principal. You told me about it. I went to the principal, and the principal said. Oh, just teach her to laugh, laugh them off, make a joke about it, blah blah blah. and I told the principal i'll darn if I'm gonna have my daughter be someone that just has to laugh off these horrendous hurts, you need to stop it in the beginning. Stop it where it starts, and um, she just didn't couldn't couldn't attach to that that it's natural for boys to treat young girls like that. It's natural for men to say not uh, inappropriate things to women at that time you know it's all part of that kind of thinking boys will be boys men will be men and women learn how to work around it and that was the thinking then so that's that's when you had some therapy because they were chasing you home throwing rocks at you um and uh, but you also um had a friend uh, a girlfriend with that was heavy set too um Mich- no what's her name michelle i think her name was michelle yeah 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 and, and uh anyway it was great you guys had a good friendship and stuff like that so um
0: that was- helped
1: me get fat community well, you got your fat community. You, you That kind of gelled all on yeah. your own. In I place. mean, but you
0: would drive me over and drop me off and stuff and facilitate that for me. Which oh, was yeah. Nice.
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, she was a nice girl. Yeah. Um, and let's see. can I think of any others. Well, I have a mama bear part of me. You know, when somebody messes you really me. With me. <laughs> I really do. And I just see red and I'll, I'll go for the juggler. Uh, anywhere i mean i'm not violent but i will make my point known
0: so my mom has a sagittarius moon and a leo rising um and she's a cancer sun. for anyone out there who speaks astrology like that is definitely like slash anger highly sensitive energy so it makes sense and i'm your kid so
1: yeah so yeah well and it's it's just a mama bear and anybody there's a mama bear there and uh so you, you would see me go after, so after a while, you started not telling me about anything that happened to you because yeah. you didn't want any drama. You didn't want anything to come back at you. You didn't, you want to just lay low, be invisible and not have that deal with you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I can't, I couldn't help what I didn't know. Yeah. yeah that, that's reality. The teacher you had okay so here you were this you know you had 4.0 in eighth grade and you were this really bright kid and you're in freshman now in high school I'm a teacher now and oh I know when you had multiplication well this is a, just a teacher story it didn't have to do with weight and stuff you're kind of like me in the sense that if you're doing rote things again again and again and again it is boring and your mind tends to wander this happens for me too so you're in second or third grade and you're doing multiplication these great big old awful multiplication um, pages and you're having a rough time with it and I asked her could she mix it up and put some division in there just so that your mind is doing something else because then you could get through that page in the time limit they were doing time limits on you which is crap which is absolute crap but I didn't that's before I became a teacher and I didn't know officially that that was crap. I just had the intuitive sense that it was crap. Anyway, <laughs> um, and I asked her, you know, if she would put it in there when she, she balked at me because she said, well, this is not how we do it. blah blah blah." But when she actually did it, your time was like almost half of what the other time was. And it wasn't that you couldn't do it fast. And it wasn't that you didn't understand how to do it. It's just the repetitive nature of it was incredibly boring, and your mind would wander.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so, so that's that's essentially that. So it's kind of bucking that system of doing that. Back to another teacher you had, um, and then yeah, the big one when you were uh, senior, but uh, when you were a freshman, and you were they put you in a group, and you were with three flunk, three F students, and you were the one A student, mm-hmm. and. The guy insisted you're you going to work there and you couldn't win because if you had done everything yourself, then you'd get enough because you did everything. But if you waited for the other kids, the other kids weren't going to do the work because they don't care. Mm-hmm. So you, you came to me on that one. And... So I went to see the guy and the guy said, well, you wouldn't understand this little lady. It's great big, tall, six foot guy. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't understand this little lady. It's, it's called cooperative learning. Well, at that time I was teaching how to do cooperative learning in the county office of education, <laughs> but he didn't know who I was and what I did or anything. He just so I said, uh, excuse me, oh, you're a teacher, elementary. He just assumed I taught elementary and I taught high school. Mm-hmm. and. Anyway, so he um he finally acquiesced and changed he said it was gonna change the situation and you did okay. But he really got he got like within five inches of me face to face. And I just stood there, you know, I didn't back down. And so then he because once he found out that yes, I taught it, yes, I knew what I was talking about, and that he did I knew he didn't know what he was talking about, uh-huh. that he was going to work it out so that you weren't going to get it asked no matter what. So that, that was that was another one of your teaching things. The other one was when you're a junior going into a senior, they didn't allow you in um, the, let's believe it's AP history.
0: Mm, it was sophomore going into junior. I
1: remember it very well. And yeah, junior, they wouldn't allow you and they wouldn't tell you why. hmm and I knew your scores, because he had to test everything in Castor Valley. I knew your scores were higher than some of the kids left in there. I knew your grades were higher than some of the kids left in there. So I couldn't figure out, and you couldn't figure out why it wasn't there. So I had contacted the principal a number of times, never responded back. So finally, the leadership teacher responded to me. said, well, so, hey, Marianne, you know, you know me, blah, blah, blah. You know, what's the issue here, da, da, da. And I said, I want to I look through her file. Because she is not allowed in this class, and I want to know why. And oh, no one lasts to look for the cum file. And finally, it was like three months in. I finally get a, a meeting with the principal. And oh, we'll let her in right now. Blah blah blah. It come to find out, it was a teacher's opinion on whether you should be in that AP class. Uh a teacher's opinion and this is a teacher you liked which was interesting it was really interesting to find that out actually yeah it's a teacher's (laughs) opinion which is so illegal (laughs) if you you know of all these objective things you make it and you you surpass the other scores and then some teacher has an opinion can keep you out of an advanced placement class that is just so no so the so they were like oh we're changing this it's never going to happen again and we're so sorry because there was a good lawsuit there
0: a huge lawsuit there. Um, You know, here's something that I think about a lot, actually, a regret I have is I was, um, I never went into that AP history class, even after you advocated for me, because I, and what I should have done is dropped honors chemistry, because that was going to take my GPA, we had a terrible book, I already knew that I hated the class. And I just was so afraid of the social dynamic of jumping into a class mid semester, that I didn't, I didn't go through, this is what I preach now is get uncomfortable, do the awkward thing so you can go where you're meant to go. Cause I would have excelled at AP history. I did did not excel at honors chemistry. I hated it. And it was like, it was just, I was just letting like social fear get in the way. Cause at that point, like, you know, I recognized and realized how unfair it was that I was out of that class, but like, I didn't want to disrupt, you know, whatever. And who cares, right? People disrupt all the time and it's just, um, you got to do what's right for you. So Anyway, I'm grateful to you for all that you did, including paying, like we did not have money for this, but you paid a lawyer to write a letter on your behalf in order to get that principal. I
1: uh, did.
0: So it's, I'm grateful to you for all that advocacy. Um, I remember in fifth grade, I got in trouble um, for book reports or something. And the, my terrible fifth grade teacher told you it was because I was fat.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he, it was interesting. He, he was, he was quite full of himself and he taught this, you know, he taught, he had been teaching in the school forever and so he taught everybody's older brother and sister and he knew all these families and, and all that, well, it should be like that and you knew darn well that, that this, the parents wrote that report that that kid didn't write report Um, and it was just, uh, yeah, he was. He was a jerk. I remember a lot about fifth grade was really hard, especially like,
0: I think about this a lot too. I was doing, um, you know, the presidential physical fitness test, right? As a fat kid, it's just, it's just designed to make fat kids feel bad. And Mm -hmm. it's like, and it's not designed to actually promote uh, a love of movement, which is what this kind of stuff just made me hate moving, which is so sad because movement is something our bodies essentially need. And so I remember like doing the mile and we had to run and they would take up the, they wouldn't let me finish. Right. Like they just, because I didn't finish with everybody else, like all the little skinny kids, like they just, they never let me finish. They would always like close up the mile early, which was kind of fine. Cause then like, I got to be lazy, but like, it never forced me to actually finish and see what it was like to move for a mile. And like, you know what I mean? Just little things like that, where like, I was just constantly othered because of my ability, And I really genuinely appreciate environments now where the belonging is inherent and no one is too slow. Like the, like fat girls hiking, for example, like the main rule is uh, we go as slow as the slowest person in the group, which is actually really wonderful for mindfulness and for noticing. Like if you're, if you're just like hustling, you're not stopping to pay attention to like the beauty of the outside around you and get that healing too. Um, And I just, uh, I wish I could go back and make all the PE for all the fat kids um, just so they can learn to enjoy movement and stick it out, you know, and finish something. Well, teach body positive. Yeah, exactly. Or body neutrality. You know what I mean? Because all bodies are good bodies and everyone is affected by fat phobia. Um, And I remember something that, um, this is ironic too, because I I think uh, my dad's mom, Grammy, um, would give you a hard time about my weight as though it was your fault that I was fat. And I'll say just in terms of her caretaking of me, I would say it's more her fault. <laughs> if there's a fault to point to, you know what I mean? Like to where I needed food for comfort. Um, and uh, so I'm curious like how you dealt with that when like your ex-mother-in-law is giving you a hard time about raising your daughter.
1: Well, I didn't really after I got uh, you came back um, I didn't really pay much attention to her because when you told me that she was violent with you um, I really didn't want having to deal with her oh good
0: I didn't realize I told you
1: yeah you did you told me you came back and you said um, I love Grammy but I don't like her very much and Oh, Is that okay and you were very upset about it and I said yes, that's perfectly okay, and, um, and then eventually you told me, yeah, that she would take the stick to you. Mm.
0: She once punished me, so she beat me so hard with a wooden spoon that she broke it, and then she punished me for breaking her wooden spoon, which is, like, I mean, I just see it, and I see how broken she must have been to treat a four-year-old girl that way,
1: yeah, you
0: know what I mean, and, like, how terrible grown-ups must have been to her, I mean, she grew up in parochial boarding schools too so I'm sure the nuns were violent with her um she doesn't make it right but it does make it easier to understand and easier to heal from yeah yeah it's wild um well I'm grateful to you for all the advocacy that you did for me as a kid like it must have felt what did it feel like 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 going up like against the system and the machine and like constantly having like barrier after barrier.
1: It was frustrating. It was it it hurts as a parent because you see the beauty and the potential of your child and you see just that I mean it's an ism. You know it's a it's it's something that people of color experience absolutely every day. Mm-hmm. People you know it's um, that that uh, that's just it's something that makes you stronger and it hurts you, and it um, opens your eyes to that stagnant, horrible, self-absorbed thinking. Yeah
0: Well, I'm grateful to you for everything you did to help me become the person I am today and to get to navigate me through all those systems and all that crappy, unfair stuff and mm-hmm grateful also that you worked so hard. I remember watching you just like aiming for your degree and just relentlessly pursuing it, even after like you had to stop semesters because babysitters would flake out and stuff like that. And just seeing you keep going, even though you kept stumbling and then become a teacher yourself and then advocate for those kids and like really put yourself and be in a district where you had the at-risk kids and you had a lot of input in their lives and were able to kind of be an ally to them in those unfair
1: systems. Yeah, because yeah. I knew what it was like to, to be, you know, I experienced it, I experienced it through you, I experienced it personally. So um, I knew what it's like to be unheard, unappreciated and, you know, not fitting the thing. And um, so it, it was a passion. And I got to, I got to work my passion, which was such a gift. I mean, there are some parts, you know, that um, would have been nice to be able to create art pieces and all of that stuff. Life didn't, you know, I took a I did a major that I couldn't stand, which was business administration. I couldn't stand it. Everything's maximized, minimize this, maximize profit. You know, had absolutely no caring in it at all. It it is about the corporation. Um, but I learned how things worked and, uh, it gave me some mindsets that have helped me. Um, and, but thankfully, even with that major, I was able to, I don't because, know what you mean by I'm how things work and I gave you some mindsets that have helped me. Shut down, Siri. Good old Apple watch. Um, but that that uh so to be able to take what i have and use the strengths that i have to uh, and find my passion within what i have um that was quite a gift i mean so you it's in that whole thing where you create the heaven you live in
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know and it's all part of that yes there were things like there was some really horrible administration my department chair was awful Um, but if, if I don't look at what I can't control and look at what I can create and make that's good, then that's, that's what you do. You make the best and you make the heaven that you live in.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Heaven's here on earth. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have to wait. Um, thank you so much, mom. I love you so much. I love you. Yay. I'm glad you were born. I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad you immigrated from Canada, even though I like
1: living really close to Canada. Yeah. Oh, I didn't really have a choice on that. Fair enough. (laughs) But I do have a choice about living here. Yeah. It was great that you're living here too. Yeah. Yay. We really have it in a beautiful place and and get to be close to each other. That's, that's pretty darn good. It's a great
0: gift. I really don't take it for granted at all. So I love you. Love you.